Every year, on the second Sunday of Advent, we encounter this strange figure of St. John the Baptist. Who is this man who appears in the wilderness, clothed in camel's hair, eating locusts and wild honey? Well, he's a cousin of Jesus. He's the son of Elizabeth and Zechariah. He was miraculously conceived in his mother's womb in her old age. He is the one who leapt in his mother's womb at the approach of his unborn Savior, which makes him the first person after the Blessed Mother to recognize Jesus as Lord. He's called the forerunner of the Messiah and the friend of the bridegroom. He's a prophet. That is, he is someone who speaks on behalf of God. And he's the last and the greatest prophet to speak the word of God before God's word would be revealed in his son. But John is not the word. John is the voice. He is the voice of the word. He is a messenger. And that's why sometimes in iconography you see John with angel's wings because angel is the Hebrew word for messenger, and so that denotes his office. He is a prophet. He is a messenger. And today, we meet that messenger out in the desert. He's a voice crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. Advent is a season of preparation, and John comes to us today to help us to prepare. We are preparing for the celebration of our Lord's first coming in humility, born in a manger in the little town of Bethlehem. We're also preparing for his second coming in glory at the end of time in the heavenly Jerusalem. But we're preparing too for his coming into our lives right now, spiritually and sacramentally, into our hearts into our homes. Christ comes to us now in his word, in his sacraments, in the loving service that we give to one another. Just like John pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God. In a few minutes, the priest will hold up before us the Eucharist and say those same words. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's pointing to the same Jesus. It's the same Jesus. And just as Isaiah prophesied to Jerusalem, here is your God, I say to you now, here is your God, and here is your reward with him. Jesus comes to us now, now, on this altar, in this church. We don't need to wait for our God to come to us. So how do we prepare to welcome into our hearts so great a guest. This is what John helps us to do. He's the voice that cries out, prepare the way of the Lord. And where is this voice crying out from? It's crying out from the desert. Why? Why is he in the desert? In the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, Isaiah says. What's in the desert? It's a wilderness. It's a wild place. It's removed from towns and cities, away from the the busyness of our everyday lives and all of our routine concerns. It's a place where we can be alone. 
where we can experience silence. It's a place where our needs are very simple and very immediate, where all of the facades that we make for ourselves in this world are stripped away, and we have to learn to rely on God. The desert is a place of contemplation. It's a place for prayer. And so before John climbs to the mountaintop to be the herald of good news, he first retreats into the desert to prepare the way of the Lord. And so we also have to retreat into the desert this Advent. This is what Advent should be for us. We should create times of silence and space in our lives for contemplation In the midst of all of our busy holiday preparations, the most important thing that we can do during Advent is to step away from the concerns of the world for a time, for a little while, to be alone with God and to prepare our hearts to welcome him. And what does that look like? What do we have to do to make our hearts ready? We're told to make straight in the wasteland a highway for our God. Make straight in the wasteland a highway for our God. So if we want our Lord to come to us, we need to remove any obstacles that are on that path to his coming. And the wasteland of our lives is filled with mountains and valleys that can block his path. And so we have to make the mountains low, and the valleys have to be filled in. Every mountain and hill shall be made low, the prophet proclaims. What are these mountains and hills? There are sins. They're the things that we do and the things that we desire that are contrary to the life of God. If we want the life of God to come to us and to dwell within us, then we have to banish those things from our hearts because they're incompatible with the life of God. And some of those sins are mountains. Those are the mortal sins, the sins that are so contrary to love that they're incompatible with God's nature and they cut us off from his grace, that life of grace. Now the church teaches that committing a mortal sin involves three things. The first thing is is called grave matter. That means that the act that we commit itself is a serious evil. We're doing something that is seriously wrong. The second thing involves sufficient knowledge. Do we know that what we're doing is wrong? And the third thing is freedom of will. Are we freely choosing to do this thing that we know is wrong. If we do that, if if we're doing something that we know is against God's will and we're freely choosing to do it anyway, then essentially what we're doing is evicting God from our lives. We're saying to God, I prefer this lesser thing over you. I'm going to follow my own will over your will. And when we set our will against the will of God, it erects a mountain between us and God. And these mountains, John says, and Isaiah says, must be made low. Tear them down. Get rid of them. Evict them from your heart and turn back to God. And that's why John's call for preparation is also a call for repentance. We have to repent. That means turn away from anything that stands between us and God. To make straight that path for him. Now, not all of our sins are mountains. Some of them are only hills. These are the venial sins. These sins are failures in love that don't result from our willful choosing of them, but from our human weakness, 
because we're imperfect. We're still growing. We're still learning. But these are sins nonetheless. They don't cut us off from the life of grace like mortal sins do, but they can weaken it. They can weaken it, especially if we, we let them go for too long. And we want to make the Lord's path as smooth and even as possible. And so these hills, too, must be made low. And we do this the same way that we do for mortal sins. We repent from them. And we can make low the, the hills of our venial sins with a, a simple good act of contrition. But those mountains are another matter. Mountains are bigger. To make low the mountains of our mortal sins, that requires grace, sacramental grace. First of baptism, and then of confession. And this is why John proclaimed a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins as part of his preparing the way of the Lord. Now most of us here, I'm assuming, have been baptized, but we can lose that baptismal grace by our willful sin. And so we're restored to it in the sacrament of penance, the sacrament of confession. That's why every Advent we're, we're intentional about doing a penance service to allow that extra time for people to, to make straight the path of the Lord in their hearts and go to confession. And why Father makes himself available in the confessional regularly, every week for us. Because every time we go into that confessional and we say, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned, we make low the mountains and hills in our lives and we prepare the way for the Lord's coming. But what else must we do? Turning away from sins is one part of it, but what else do we have to do? Well, the wilderness of our lives contains not only mountains, but valleys. And those valleys, we're told, must be filled in. So what are the valleys? The valleys are the low places. They're, they're really empty spaces. They're spaces in our lives where something is missing that ought to be there. So as we spend time in the desert this Advent, reflecting on our lives, we should examine ourselves and ask, what is missing? What is missing in my life? What is missing that I need to help smooth the way of the Lord into my heart? Is it prayer? Am I missing prayer? Then I need to be intentional about making time to pray every day. Is it knowledge of the Lord? Well, then I need to read the scriptures. I need to read the catechism, study it, learn about my faith. Is it loving service to my neighbor? Is that what's missing? Then I need to seek out new ways to show my love and to care for those in need. Is it fidelity to my vocation, whatever that may be? Well, then I need to strive to live more faithfully that life that God has called me to. Whatever my state of life is, whether as a, a parent or a child, a married person, a single person, a priest or a deacon or a professed religion, am I living my vocation faithfully? Is it a virtue that I'm lacking? Am I lacking in prudence? Am I lacking in temperance or fortitude or chastity? Then I need to foster those virtues in my life by finding ways to put them into practice. You don't grow in virtue automatically just by wanting to. You have to actually do it. You have to find ways to put that virtue into practice. It's like anything else. That's how you get good at it. Whatever the valleys in our life might be, we have to find them and fill them in to make straight the way of the Lord's coming. The glory of the Lord that shall be revealed at the end of time 
will be a final and a universal revelation. We don't know when that will come. And when it does, nobody will escape it. It will be obvious and apparent to all. But, but, if we heed the words of the prophet, and if we enter into the desert this Advent to prepare the way of the Lord, if we make low the mountains and hills of our vices, and if we fill in the valleys of our wanting virtues, if we make that rugged land of our hearts and minds into a broad and even path for God, then we don't need to wait until the end of time for the glory of the Lord to be revealed. Because it will be revealed in us today in the way that we love one another and in the peace that we will know in our hearts right here and right now while we await with hope, with joyful hope, that final coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ.